There are two blocks that voted Democrat against Trump in 2020, and that really tilted the election. One is Asian Americans, fastest growing political bloc in the USA. According to Pew Research, Biden now has a 53% approval rating in the Asian community, 47% disapproved. However, however, Biden's approval margin in the election, okay, was 37 points lower than it is now. So among Asian Americans, Biden's lost 37% favorability. Now, that's a smaller voting block, but here's the big one. Hispanics, big voting block, along with African-Americans. So you combine African-Americans and Hispanic, you're up around 30%. Uh, Quinnipiac poll, early June. Do you approve or disapprove the way Biden has handled his job? This is Hispanics. Approved 24, disapproved 58. That is a disastrous number. Disastrous. And so... If Asians and Hispanics bolt the Democratic Party, the Democrats are left with African-Americans, white liberals, and that's it. And unions. That's it. They can't survive. Joining us now uh, from Carlsbad, California, just north of San Diego, is our pal, Ruben Navarrete is a journalist and founder of Navarrete Sonic Podcast Network, NSPN. And Ruben reminded me before uh, the program that we have been chatting with each other for 20 years, which is why Ruben is so much smarter now than he was 20 years ago. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's I'm it. taking full credit, Ruben. <laughs> All right. So you see these terrible numbers in a Hispanic community and you attribute them to what? Bill, great to be back with you. I attribute them to three small things and one big thing. The three small things is uh, it's a bad economy, bad decisions by Joe Biden, uh, high gas prices. They're all affecting Latinos. We're an entrepreneurial business class. Um, The issues, number two, the issues have been bad for Biden. He seems to pick the issues that don't resonate with Latinos. He puts his weight behind climate change. And suddenly the Democratic Party is talking about transgender athletes and uh, defunding the police and issues that aren't resonating with Latinos. And lastly, in the minor category, I'll say um, there's a tendency among Democrats to treat African-Americans and Latinos, you mentioned it earlier, as if they were the same. And they're not the same. They have different perspectives on things like progressive prosecutors or defunding the police, Uh, certainly on CRT, right, critical race theory. So it's been a bad fit for Democrats to try to say, well, you're all non-white. You must have that in common. We'll treat you all the same. It's as if, Bill, 100 years ago, the Democratic Party had said, we're going to take the uh, Italian-Americans and the Irish-Americans in Boston and treat them the same, and we'll just call them Northeast ethnics, right? Uh, Because it's convenient. It's not going to work. But here's the big reason. I said there was a big reason. Bill, here's how politics works, as you well know. Nobody gets any votes unless their opponent gives them an opening. The Democratic Party has given the Republican Party a huge opening with Hispanics because they do not understand my community. They've taken my community for granted. They've neglected us, ignored us. Uh, It's amazing the amount of loyalty Latinos have shown to the Democratic Party in the last 15 presidential elections. Going back to 1960, Democrats have always gotten the majority of the Latino vote. And in return, they've delivered very little to Latinos. So those are the big reasons why you're seeing you're seeing. 
But the way the Democratic Party is structured now with the progressives in charge, very, very, very hard to persuade Latinos that the Democrats are on their side for yeah. one really big reason. A lot of Latin voters in America are religious based. They're all Catholic. OK, now, not, right. not all of them practice, but the uh, tenet of traditional Christianity slash traditional family, and you come from one, yeah. a traditional right. family, right. that is totally opposite what the progressives are putting forth. And you mentioned, you mentioned, you mentioned right. CRT, you mentioned the social agenda where uh, traditions are just banished everywhere. So even if the economy were decent, yeah. um, Latinos have got a cultural problem with the Democratic Party, correct? Yes, they do. And here, I'll put a finer point on it, Bill. It has to do with authority figures. Latinos, for better or for worse, we fall in line behind authority figures. We have strong families around a strong father figure, typically, right? And, and we have uh, oftentimes very strict fathers who take that responsibility very seriously. So we fall in line between uh, behind the Catholic Church, which is about authority figures, about between behind police officers and police who are about authority figures. We're never going to be in favor of defunding the police. You know, as as you know, I believe it was your grandfather was a police officer. My father was a cop. Uh, you come from a culture and the Irish Americans are like this, along with the Mexican-Americans, where you're raised around law enforcement. You know, we're raised to respect authority. So I think there is a cultural bent there that works against the Democrats and their current configuration. You're right. Now, one issue that has alienated independent voters of all stripes uh, is the border, the open border. But the Democratic Party puts forth that the Hispanic American community generalists want right. the open border. They don't want stringent border enforcement. They like sanctuary cities. Is that true in your opinion? Yeah, so that's not true. I'm going to disagree with you that there is an open border. I don't believe there is. I've never believed it. I've covered immigration for over 30 years. We can't spend $60 billion a year at the Department of Homeland Security with about $15 billion of it going to border enforcement and then say we have an open border. Uh, yeah, people will always find a way to come here. I don't believe that Joe Biden is sort of responsible for the, quote, open border. But you're absolutely right about the bigger point, which is Latinos favor security. They live along the border. Many of them are Border Patrol agents. Half the Border Patrol agents are Hispanic. And also, you bring up a really important point, Bill. We talk about the Latino vote. See, there are 62 million Latinos in the country. But the real game is among the 60% of those folks, two-thirds almost, who are Mexican or Mexican-American. And this is really important for your viewers to understand, Bill. We're not talking in this segment about the Latino vote as it relates to Cuban-Americans and Colombians who always vote Republican or the Dominicans and Puerto Ricans in the Northeast who always vote Democrat. No, the game is over the Mexicans and Mexican-Americans who are totally in play. They're the swing voters. They're the ones who are up for grabs. That's the Latino vote. Okay, and all... Uh... Latino voters, as with uh, working whites and blacks, are getting hurt by this terrible yes. inflation. But I'm going to challenge you on the open yes. border. Okay. So um, Donald Trump took him three years, but he finally got the Remain in Mexico policy, which meant that anyone entering the United States um, claiming asylum, asking for right. asylum, had to wait in Mexico. That stopped the caravans, it stopped the mass migration. It stopped a lot of the um, smuggling because the Border Patrol was not overwhelmed yeah. all right, by these unbelievably large migrant caravans, and they all got here and wanted asylum. So 
Trump stopped it for 12 months, and you saw the numbers go like this, go down, of the Border Patrol encounters. First day in office, Biden knocks that out for no reason. And then later, a federal judge orders Biden to reinstate it. Biden had to reinstate it, but didn't, didn't cooperate with it. Still not. So right. therefore, on the border, you have record numbers of migrants crossing, right. being encountered by the Border Patrol, which is now overwhelmed by the numbers because there are millions right. of people. Narcotics is coming in here at record because they don't have enough personnel to stop the narcotics. The cartels, as you know, control both the people and the drug smuggling. This is salad days for the Mexican drug cartels. Yeah. They love Biden. They've never made yeah. more money. So I'm telling you, when I use the word open border, it's not that the Border Patrol is saying, oh, come on, everybody. Yeah. Biden's policy has overwhelmed our ability to stop the migrants. You wouldn't disagree with that. So here's what I would say. It goes back to a conversation you and I have had for many years. There's a disagreement between sealing the border, which will never happen, and securing the border, which can happen. But even when we secure the border, even under Trump, let's say, you still have people coming across. You always not have them coming many, across. Though, not nearly there as are many. People, there are tunnels. Well, you remember the big rush in 2018 under Trump? There was a big rush where people came in. 2014 under Obama, then 2018 over under Trump. People will find a way to get through. The problem I'm having, Bill, is Joe Biden and the Democratic Party lie their pants off when it comes to immigration. Let's just be blunt, okay? They BS everybody. They want to have it both ways. They want to pretend to be sort of open border. We're very welcoming. Vote for us Latinos. But behind the scenes, they're doing things like photocopying some of the Trump policies. On Remain in Mexico, I'll go right to that. Yeah, Joe Biden, when he was forced by a judge, he, he re-implemented the Remain in Mexico policy. But he didn't let anybody know that he included the Haitians in there. He went further than the judge wanted him to go. So Joe Biden is really much more of an immigration restrictionist than he pretends to be. But the reason people get fooled by that bill is because he wants to have it both ways. Obama was the same way. Obama was, he deported 3 million people, Obama. But he convinced the left, oh, I'm very open border, you know, I'm very supportive of Latinos. And no, no, no. They, they're lying their pants off, Bill. And when Democrats tell you something about immigration, it's not true. It's a lie. And so when they say we're for an open border, don't believe them. It's a lie. All right, Ruben. Always provocative. And we appreciate the uh, 20 years of uh, loyalty to us. You and, bet, pal. Uh, you stay well. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank you. You too, my friend. Take care. Now on to crime and no punishment. So we reported yesterday two police officers in El Monte, California, that's about 15 miles east of Los Angeles, were shot dead by a criminal gang member, a man who had been convicted a number of times, named Justin William Flores, 35 years old. He killed himself as authorities closed in after the two murders of the police officers. Now, they were named Michael Pardes and Joseph Santana, and here's what Mr. Santana's mother said to the media, go. Gascon just letting all these criminals out. And they just keep doing one crime after the other. And that guy should have been in jail if he wouldn't have been out. My son and the other officer would still be here. Gascon just letting all these criminals out was her first sentence, in case you didn't hear it behind the mask. So almost everybody who pays attention in the nation's largest county, Los Angeles, knows there's something very wrong with the district attorney. So let me back that up with stats. All right, since he has taken office, 
Murders are up 97%. 97%. Shootings are up 54% since this man stepped into the office of district attorney for the county of Los Angeles. Now, this is outrageous. This is dead thousands of dead people because of one man, George Gasson. Now, how did he get elected? Well, George Soros pumped all kinds of money into his campaign, $2.5 million into a political action committee that supported Gasson in 2018. So he had more money than everybody else. And as you know, Southern California is a lot of liberal people who don't, I guess, care about public safety at all. But now the good news is there is a recall effort and they have enough signatures. So um, Gascon, like Bodine in San Francisco, will go on a ballot. There will be a special vote. And I'll predict that Gascon is out. After these two police officers were murdered by this Flores guy who should have been in jail for life. He should have been serving life because California has a three strikes law, three felonies, and you're gone for life. But Gascon wouldn't wouldn't prosecute that law and hasn't prosecuted the three strikes law. So therefore, Flores, the gang member, violent guy, drug involved guy, he's out there with a gun and he kills the two police officers. That's enough to to, you can't prosecute Gascon. He wasn't obeying California law, so he could be removed by the governor Newsom, who doesn't care at all. Newsom doesn't care about this public safety menace. So this is, this is again, almost impossible to understand how civil servants can do this and why it is allowed by any state. So joining us now from Southern California is Kathleen Katie. She is a former L.A. deputy district attorney. She knows the turf, and she is the co-chair of the effort to recall District Attorney George Gascon. Okay, did I miss anything about Gascon? Am I overstating the case? So I'm here in New York, and I am so angry and appalled. I was just in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, and these police officers are dead now. I don't know. I really don't know what more to say. Right. And, and, and that is, I think, how many uh, residents in Los Angeles feel um, as well. So, you know, when Gascon came in, he ran on a platform of reform, which I think some people, you know, believed that um, he would try to make things better. But of course, that's not what happened. He has not made things better. He issued a number of policies that have resulted in um, a, a number of people having been hurt and killed. Um, he's endangered our communities. And for the victims of these crimes, of course, it's been absolutely horrific. So because of that, it was the victims really who started this recall effort. And I will say that it is uh, not political. It's bipartisan. So many, uh, almost all the victims who signed on um, are murder victims' families. Um, they're both Republican and Democrat, uh, independent, declined to state because crime is not political either. So uh, we are at the tail end of our recall efforts. Um, and as you said, I'm one of the co-chairs. Um, we have to submit 567,000 signatures that are verified. Right now we have um, a little bit over that number, but of course not all of them are verified. So our goal is to get to 700,000 so that when the registrar recorder does you know, toss out however many they do, that we still have enough to be able to qualify to get this on the ballot. So 
for anyone who is in LA, we urge you to sign your petition today, to turn it in today, because we are on the tail end, as I said, of collecting all the signatures. We have to package them up. You know, half a million signatures is a lot. So we have to package them all up and we will deliver them to the Registrar Recorder on July 6th. And, now, where uh, can the uh, people sign? On the internet? Where can they go? They cannot sign on the internet. You can go to the internet to recalldageorgegascon.com. You can download the petition and sign the petition. There are uh, places where you can drop it off. You can still mail it. Um, if you mail it by today, we should get it in time. But if you wait a couple of days, we probably won't. So you would need to actually drop it off. And again, on that website, recalldageorgegascon.com. There are a number of locations where you can drop off your petition because it's really critical that we get this issue on the ballot. You know, uh, we can all talk all day long about how dangerous LA is and how horrible his policies are, but unless we get the recall on the ballot, voters will not be able to vote to get him out and we cannot go another two and a half years with Gascon. Okay. And, and I think every rational person agrees with that. If you do get the signatures, when will the vote take place? Do you know? Well, uh, we anticipate it would probably be in uh, December or early January. Uh, you know, the election code in California has a number of different parameters. You have to wait this many days and this many days and then give it to this person. And so by the when you do all the math, it looks like we probably would get it on the ballot in uh, December or early January. Okay. What everybody can't understand, because it's not just an L.A. County problem, it's a problem here in New York, Chicago, St. Louis, Baltimore, on and on and on. These progressive district attorneys, many funded by George Soros, that have got millions and millions of dollars to spread their propaganda. They don't want to punish criminals. Do you understand, no. Ms. Katie, why they don't want to punish criminals? Um, well, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very uh, naive, I think, on their part. Uh, I think they- It's gotta be they more than that, that just, though. It's, well, these, are, it's, these are people who, they know what violence is. They see dead yes. bodies. All right. I believe it's political. They think their country is evil. They persecuted minorities. USA has. And therefore, the minority uh, criminals should be cut many, much more slack. It's not really their fault. They're, they're hurting people. I think that's what it is. But how do you see it? Well, I, I would agree that uh, certainly many people <laughs> see it that way. Uh, you know, I don't know uh, Gascon personally. Uh, so I can't really speak to how he sees it personally. What I can tell you is however he sees it and whatever good he thinks he may be doing, he is misinformed. His policies are dangerous and ill-advised and line prosecutors who have experience and expertise have been telling him that from the day he took but he office. he doesn't care what they said. No, Bodine, Bodine didn't care what he, and Gascon used to be the DA of San Francisco. He's partially Correct. responsible for the destruction of that of that town. And then Bodine was worse than Gascon, if you can believe it. Voters threw him out, which is incredible in a city like San Francisco. Gascon will get thrown out too. There's no way he wins this, not after these two police officers were killed. Every Hispanic uh, voter in uh, San Diego, uh, LA County will go in and, and boot him. And, and the, I have a lot of friends in LA. They all say it's a dangerous place. Right. That you don't know, everybody's armed and, and everybody's in an automobile and they can hit you you know, at random, and the gangs run wild in the poor neighborhoods, particularly in uh, East L.A., Compton, those neighborhoods. There's no control over gangs. And there's Gascon not punishing violent criminals, violent criminals. Right. right. And, and I will say 
you know, he has many, many, many policies, but one of them is his bail policy and his bail policy does not allow prosecutors to ask for bail when someone is a felon with a gun. So they have, it's, it's uh, they can have, it's really incredible actually. Um, now, but, how much responsibility do the people of Los Angeles hold? Because they elected a far, far left law enforcement guy. How much responsibility? Now, we, we assume that most honest people have awakened in the last two years. But the voters, they get what they vote for, correct? Well, I would say they get what they vote for if the person who is telling them what he's going to do is being honest. And um, that's not what occurred here. He, he made some statements that perhaps people could look at uh, in retrospect and say, well, I guess that's what he meant. But the statements that he made were not nearly as blanket as they are now. And I will say that I personally have represented a number of victims who you know, initially voted for Gascon because they thought that he would make things better because that's what he said. Um, and now they realize, of course, when they look at the actual policies written down and they see the devastation that has occurred, they recognize that he did way more than he ever said he would. And um, so they have absolutely turned tables. And um, so what I would say is that I think uh, the majority, uh, certainly of residents in Los Angeles County have now recognized the devastation of his policies and how he is endangering all of us. And certainly for the murder victims' families that I've represented, they personally um, have been feeling the devastation of his policies. Absolutely. So I think by right Last now, question. I think- Last question. Last question. Okay. Gasson himself in his public statements, you know, the LA Times, that newspaper supports Gasson. They're not supporting you. They're not supporting a recall, the Los Angeles Times. I don't know local news in LA. I don't get to see it. But the LA Times and, and the San Francisco Chronicle supported Bodine. And that's how irresponsible the press is. But when Gascon defends himself against a 97% increase in homicides and 54% in shootings, does he have anything? What's his defense? Well, he says that his policies haven't been in place for long enough uh, and that we need to just let them play out. And uh, We need more again, bodies, more dead cops then. Right. So okay. we cannot wait another two and a half years. That's why the of recall course. is so critical. Thank you for being the co-chair of the recall effort, uh, Ms. Katie. More Americans should emulate you and get involved at the local level and get rid of these dangerous people. And keep us informed if anything happens out there. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home. And they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get a extra 15% off by using promo code Bill at checkout. So please go to fastgrowingtrees.com. Use promo code Bill at checkout.
So uh, I said that um, it's over for Joe Biden. I've been saying this for a while. I said earlier this week, I think he might resign next year, 2023, for health reasons. That's a 30% shot in my estimation. Um, Now everybody's saying that. I did an interview with the Daily Caller today. And now everybody's saying that he might resign. Let's see what Judge Schoen thinks. Very smart guy. He's a a Democrat, a political strategist. We've had him on from time to time. He tracks uh, what is likely to happen in November in the midterms. And he's the author of the book, America, Unite or Die, How to Save Our Democracy, comes to us from New York City. All right. So uh, I think Biden's through and the Democrats are going to get waxed in November. I know you believe that as well. But is there anything I'm missing that might even make that equation more intense? Yeah, I think the level of antipathy to the entire Democratic Party, including the Congress, is such that even though we've had reapportionment bill and preserved a lot of safe seats, we could have a historic route like 1994 or 2010 because of the absolute unpopularity of the Biden Democratic policies which you outlined, but I think we'd agree when you add in foreign policy, starting with Afghanistan, but not limited to that, when you throw in Ukraine and you throw in the possibilities in Taiwan, we have the potential of a perfect storm in November. Yeah, if something else happens, obviously, that makes Biden look bad, it's just going to get worse. But you made an interesting comment to me before we went on the air uh, about a recall. Sure. If there was a recall today, Bill, Joe Biden would be replaced. And I'll add something else. If there was an immediate recall on his successor uh, under that scenario, uh, Kamala Harris, I think she'd be recalled too. And I don't even want to begin to say what would happen if we got to the Speaker of the House. That's that's a short way of saying the Democratic Party and its entire leadership, all over 70, Biden pushing 80, are discredited. And really, there is no empathy, sympathy, or patience in the American electorate. Now, if Trump were the alternative, this is, of course, you know, we're speculating because a recall sure. wouldn't, wouldn't involve, uh, you know, in San Francisco when Bodine, the DA, was recalled, there wasn't anybody up right. against him. While there was in the governor's recall with Newsom, and the reason Newsom survived was uh, because they didn't have a Republican to replace him that, that people liked out there. If Trump were the replacement in a fantasy recall, because so many people still despise Donald Trump, would it be the same result? I think it would be because most elections are referenda on the incumbent, which a recall is absolutely. I think Donald Trump, if he could ever get his head around talking about the future rather than the past, would inestimably enhance his and the Republicans' chances and give us more of what you've been talking about, which is a real world agenda that works rather than a retrospective look at 2020. Even with all this October 6th hearing stuff and the press 
ramming it down everybody's throat and, and Trump looking bad and there's no cross-examination and it's, uh, you know, one after the other after the other. He did this, he did that, he subverted democracy, blah, 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 blah. Today in my newspaper, Newsday, it's, uh, oh, we just, we just survived the collapse of our democracy. This was the editorial. It's so ridiculous, but this is what they do. Uh, don't you think that Donald Trump's, even though he handled the economy well and he's fairly successful as a governing president, his demeanor and the, and the controversies that the media has pushed, they still have hurt him. They certainly have hurt him. He has facilitated it by not moving beyond it. But fundamentally, people vote, whether it be 22, 24, or, or our fantasy recall, on the incumbent and their performance. And fundamentally, your contrast is the right one. Things were better under Trump. People know that. They will hold their nose, in my judgment, and vote for him if he runs again, because most people have found his personality objectionable or worse. He shows no ability or interest in moderating it. Okay. Now, I've known you, I don't know, what, 25 years now? About that, uh, yeah. Yeah, going back to the Fox News Channel days. And my contention is that the media's clout, the influence the press has on American voters. It's still there, but it has diminished in a remarkable degree. So while the media is still front and center and you hear what they say and, and what they say is on the internet, blah, 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 blah. Most Americans no longer take the media, generally speaking, seriously. And that's an advantage for a guy like Trump, is it not? Absolutely. Trump understood in 2016, and it was genius, that he could attack the media publicly and benefit and all the while go behind the backs of the American people, so to speak, and cultivate individual members of the media. But fundamentally, attacking the mainstream media is a tactic that works. And as you point out, vis-a-vis the January 6th hearings, they're really not affecting public opinion in a way that benefits the Democrats, maybe even hurting the Democrats. Yeah, I mean, the New York Times, Washington Post, everybody believes they're just left-wing journals now, uh, partners with the Democratic Party. I think that's fairly obvious. Here's the thing that, that really uh, makes this argument uh, impossible to refute. I think it was 90% of the corporate media endorsed Biden for president. Have you seen one media organization that endorsed Biden apologize for that endorsement? Not only have I seen no endorsement, uh, I'm sorry, no uh, apology for the endorsements, I haven't seen any member of the mainstream media nor the intelligence officers who said that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation apologize for that either when it was perfectly clear that that laptop represented the real world political and financial machinations of uh, Hunter Biden. And look, I'm a Democrat. I worked for Clinton proudly. I support those policies. I'm sure there are many viewers tonight who take different positions, but it is clear the media is not a beacon of fairness as you are virtually every time I meet and hear you, Bill. Okay. Yeah, I try to be fair. Now, final question. I was doing an interview with a liberal guy today uh, because I like to do that. Uh, not, you know, 
smear merchants or anything like that, but, you know, it was a Ph.D. And uh, he said, I said to him, he said to me, is it possible that the Democratic Party would stop the progressive far left agenda and move back to a more Clinton-esque posture? My answer was, I don't know because I don't follow party politics on either the Republican side or, or the Democratic side. People ask me all the time, well, what do you think about McCarthy? I don't know. I mean, when he gets to be speaker, then I'll, I'll examine what he does and what he doesn't do. But I'm not a party guy. You are. Do you think it's possible that the progressives are finished and the Democratic Party will wise up and go back to a more moderate position? Quite the opposite, Bill. I think the moderates like me, I hate to say it, are washed up and the progressives remain in the ascendancy. Put another way, if anyone emerges to challenge Joe Biden in 2024, should he run, it'll be a progressive like Bernie Sanders or even AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So you, you don't think they're finished, the progressives, even though all the destruction on this nation has come from them, you still don't think the Democratic Party is going to kick them to the curb? I am a party guy. I am a moderate to my core. And we're the ones losing, not them. They're in the ascendancy. And our democracy is troubled deeply because of it. In sec because of the media, the Times, the Post, and, and the establishment media still pushing them? Is that why they are? It is the confluence of interest between the liberal media and the progressives that has created a narrative that is destructive or worse. All right, Doug. Thanks very much. And uh, we're going to bring Doug back a few more times before the uh, November vote because he's an honest man and he's got his pulse, uh, finger on the pulse of what the voters uh, may do. Now let's go to a new survey by WalletHub. I kind of like WalletHub. I don't trust them. I don't believe them. But they do interesting things, and uh, I bring it to you for your consideration. So patriotism, which are the most and least patriotic states? Here are the indicators, all right? Number of people that sign up for the military, number of people who sign up for the Peace Corps, percentage of adult residents who voted in the last presidential election. And there are 10 others, okay? Indicators on involvement in the country. That's what this is all about, this patriotism label. Here are the top 10 most patriotic states. Alaska, number one. Montana, Virginia, North Dakota, Oregon, Maryland, Hawaii, Vermont, New Hampshire, Iowa. Wow. Look at Oregon, very liberal state. And look at Vermont, the socialists up there with Ben and Jerry. But they're involved. You know, they didn't do political leanings here. Least patriotic states. Okay, here we go. Arkansas. Now, that's a shocker. Arkansas. New York. Okay, we all know New Yorkers are very self-absorbed, generally speaking. Rhode Island, Florida, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Indiana, Alabama, Pennsylvania, Louisiana. Now, again, that's participation in military, Peace Corps, and other directly related government things. That's where it is. Now, really, what is patriotism? What is that? Okay. Patriotism is sacrificing for your country. Let's keep it simple. And sacrifice for your country. Um, 
Now, people don't want to sacrifice for anything anymore. But the people who were killed in all the wars and, and who uh, law enforcement and, you know, teachers and trying to make things better. And they sacrifice money. So the cops and the teachers can make more money being brokers, right? But they like to improve things. And you don't become a police officer or a teacher if you don't want to help people. Simple as that. So they basically they sacrifice for their country and other citizens. That's what patriotism is. Not wearing a pin lapel. I never wear a pin lapel. Not, and I don't disparage those who do. I just don't need to do that. It's not uh, pledging allegiance, not singing a Star Spangled Banner at the game. It's really trying to figure out how you can make your town, your community, your county better. How to improve lives there. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD, Two six five five three two. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Six major cities on pace to pass historic violent crime stats. Six major cities they are. Baltimore, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, D.C., Atlanta, New York City. All on pace to break violent crimes reported. Halfway through the year. All right. This is because, and we all know this, progressive policies, just as we were talking with Doug Jones, how the progressives have screwed up the federal government, they are screwing up the city governments. No doubt about it. So let's prove it once again by going to Chicago. Mayor Lightfoot, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown. Put their pictures up. Let everybody see the mayor and the superintendent. There they are. Okay, so yesterday, a new order comes down to the Chicago PD. You are not to chase suspects on foot for running away. Okay, so the thinking is, if you commit a minor offense in Chicago and you run away, 
Cops aren't going to chase you. What's a minor offense? Well, how about possession of narcotics? So you can have fentanyl, maybe a pound of it, in your backpack, heroin, methamphetamine, get the little backpack, dope's there. Okay, cop sees you taking the dope out of your backpack, selling it. Cop approaches you, run away, cop can't chase you. Can't chase you. What do you think? That law enforcement, that justice, that make the city of Chicago safer? Have dope dealers? And you think I'm exaggerating, you know, no, this is what they ordered. And in the face of that, last year in Chicago, there were 797 homicides. All right. In 2019, 495. That's Lori Lightfoot. Good job. And all of those homicides, not all, most of them, drug gang related. Ms. Mayor. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you, and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So final thought of the day, I went to the Doobie Brothers concert in Jones Beach, Long Island last night. That is the best concert venue in the country, Jones Beach Theater. Okay, Live Nation runs it. Fabulous. Second best, Red Rocks, Colorado. Third best, Hollywood Bowl, L.A. If you want to see a live show. The Doobie Brothers have Michael McDonald, the original league singer, back in the crew. Roll the tape. All right, so last night's show was good. It wasn't great. It was good. They were in a uh, good voice. I'm not, I don't really like Michael McDonald, and he despises me. That's probably why I don't like him. Uh, he came out first on the stage in the audience, of course, because he's a brilliant singer. Guy is the best. The audience gave him a nice round of applause. He didn't even look up. Didn't smile, didn't wave, didn't look up. Eh, come on, Michael, huh? Let's go. But the boys, the rest of the band, very good form, and they were very engaging. Um, I go to see all the legacy bands, as I told you before. Uh, Even if I don't particularly like them, uh, I want to go and see them once in my life. Now, I'd seen the Doobie Brothers before without McDonald, but I, I wanted to see the whole package, and I'm glad I did. I paid. I always pay. I talked about that with Hannity today on the radio. That's a good... 
you should listen to that on BillOReilly.com. You know, it's, I, I don't take freebies. I, I, don't, I don't do that. I pay. You know, it's not right um, to take free stuff. And anyway, we had great seats. And uh, the Jones Beach people, I mean, I've known them forever. That's where I used to hang when I was a kid. And I love going to Jones Beach. It even rained a little last night, but the crowd, it didn't even matter. I mean, it's an outdoor venue, obviously, right by the beach. So anyway, uh, we wish the Doobie Brothers the best. They have some good tunes. Uh, next up, Earth, Wind, and Fire. But they're my guys. You know, I can't wait to see them in August. And uh, thank you very much for uh, watching and listening to No Spin News. Um, we hope you got a lot out of it. Want to hear from you? Bill at BillOReilly.com. Name and town if you want to opine. And we will see you tomorrow.